All right, you are now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 168. We're breaking down the first week of basketball, opening night, Christmas Day games. What is going on in Golden State, and are the Brooklyn Nets for real? It is the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, give me that intro music. Excuse me, I didn't mean to interrupt like Mount Vesuvius. I'm about due to erupt. Use it or I'm losing it. They say I need to loosen up. Tight, I'm well taught. I must do the Max like Glutey us. I do have something to say, so you got to give it up. Give it up. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It is the follow through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 168. We hope everybody had a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Festivus for the rest of us, whatever you celebrate. We hope you had a great weekend. Drew, did you have a, a, a Merry Christmas? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I think for all of us, it was probably a little weird. Um, so it was for my family as well. We had we had a, a brushing up of uh, against COVID if, for one sector of my family. So we kind of had to maneuver around a little bit. But, um, you know, we, I was able to be with my folks and with, you know, my girlfriend and my dog. And we, we had a good time. We made it the best of it. So it was nice. How about you? Uh, mine was weird, too. It was yeah. good to be with my family. It's the first time I've spent the night at my parents' house in, in over a year. Yeah. Uh, I miss them very much. It's the longest time I've spent with them in a year. You know, normally I go up there, have lunch, keep my distance, and then bounce home. Uh, having Not having my sister there was extremely weird. Uh, I had to put her on, you know, Zoom, where she normally sits, uh, you know, yeah, on Christmas spot. morning. I set her up for my parents. So they were very happy. It was definitely different. Yeah. Uh Watching normally I go to my, you know, my best friend Nick comes over and or I'll go to my boy Mo's house for cocktails during the afternoon and watch the games, but none of that happened. So we hope everybody stayed safe and they had a good time. The one thing we did have was a lot of basketball. But before we jump into this, I have one thing I want to take back and one thing I want to double down on. Okay. okay. All right. I, I want to take back uh me clowning, not necessarily clowning you, but getting on you for how low you had the Golden State Warriors, okay? Because I thought, you know, I was giving Steph the benefit of the doubt, all these new additions. I am not sold on them at all, okay, Mm -hmm. whatsoever. And we're going to talk more about them in a minute, but I want to get this out of the way. And then I want to double down on the Brooklyn Nets, okay? I'm I'm doubling, tripling down. I'm putting all the money on the table for the Brooklyn Nets. So those two things I want to take back and double down on. There's something that you wanted to bring up, too, that we we forgot to talk about. Yeah. last week's pod so yeah i think i think your reaction to the to the warriors and the nets is is pretty it's pretty commonplace right now i mean it's really hard to be positive about the warriors uh in any shape or form after their first two performances and then you can't be anything but excited about the nets after what we saw from that whole squad i mean yes Kyrie looks amazing kevin looks back to normal but everyone really seems to be like the bench, everything about it. Everyone's excited together. I mean, it's, it's about as good as I've, I could have imagined them starting the season. The thing that I forgot, and I do want to apologize to, I don't know if we have any, but a very small section of our listeners that are Chicago Bulls fans. I completely neglected to mention them on our NBA preview. Uh, I know I, I had stated that we touched on all 30 NBA teams. I, it was only 29, and I feel bad about it. But I don't feel that bad about it because the Bulls are going to be terrible this year. Um, but anyway, if the fact Chicago, that nobody noticed, Drew, the fact <laughs> right. is, is okay. Yeah, exactly. Nobody's complaining. 
Um, other than my boy Laurie Markin and on that team, there's not really much fun. I, you know, I, I know that they got Billy Donovan there, and, and it could be something special. And you know, by the end of this year, they could be a much better team than the way that you know the way that they started. But I just don't, I don't see it. But anyway, I just wanted to, I wanted to get that out there, and I apologize to one or two of the Chicago Bulls fans that we have listening to. And the Bulls didn't even extend Laurie Markin in, which is just mind-boggling to me. Like, one of your two bright spots on that team, and you don't even extend them. I don't know where they're going with that. Uh, to opening day. So, let's talk Golden State Nets, okay? Golden State came out extremely flat. Even Steph came out flat. Braid, braided up Steph came out flat. I was more impressed by Brooklyn, like you said previously, and Doris Burke said this. She said, like, midway through, like, the second qu- or, like, the third quarter, she's like, it looks like everybody on the Nets is buying into their position, right? Like, the, their ball movement was crazy. KD looks just as good as he used to, looks really froggy. You know, crow hopping into threes. He can get his bucket anytime he wants. You know, taking players off the dribble for the dunk. Kyrie looks fast and explosive. He was passing the ball. I just like the movement everywhere. And – then you get to their second team, right? Which we all know is really is really good. You bring in Karis and you bring in uh, Jarrett and uh, you know Shamit, but they have all the right pieces. And I kept I was telling my dad because that's actually one of the games my dad stayed up, stayed up, mind you. That was the first game of the day. Um, I was saying th- they have two of the perfect centers for that team, right? Like you don't need a Joel Embiid, you don't need like a Giannis or a, a Jokic for that team. Two dudes in DeAndre and Jared and Jared Allen who are going to do exactly what they need: set screens, get rebounds, block shots, be extremely active. Their energy was great, and they th- this Nets team has. Every position covered, shooting, free throw shooting, point guards, swings, everything you possibly need. I'm extremely, extremely impressed by them. Yeah, I think I think the most interesting um, thing about this to me was, was Dinwiddie is starting alongside Kyrie. And I didn't know necessarily how that was going to play, right? Because Karras is so freaking good. Mm-hmm. And and you, you think Karras, I mean, I definitely think Karras is definitely more of a a two guard, like a standard two guard, instead of having the Kyrie Dinwiddie double point guard thing happening. Uh, but I think, you know, Nash and everybody in the Nets organization wants to make sure that Dinwiddie still feels taken care of and a part of the team and all that good stuff. So it does make a lot of sense to get him in the starting lineup. Uh, but I think that, I think that Dinwiddie, if there is like kind of a weird spot, it's him right now. I think he's still trying to feel about exactly, you know, what his role is within the system. Um, but if it stays like this, I think it's a lock for Karis LeVert as sixth man of the year. I mean, I don't think you can possibly have anybody else that skilled coming off the bench. Uh, I mean, unless you, I mean, perhaps Lou Williams again. I mean, that guy always does it for the Clippers. He always comes off with 20 points a game. But I think that, you know, there's nothing I, There's nothing wrong with what the Nets are doing. I, I, everything is good. They seem to be, like you said, moving the ball. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's always been the case for Kyrie and Smith. You know, same thing with, with Durant. You know, sometimes they can be ball stoppers, but they really seem to be in the flow of their offense. And more so than that, like really, really helping Joe Harris get the confidence that he needs to be the confident shooter that they need on that floor. Because the spacing for him, he can have a career year here. He could be, you know, definitely his highest scoring points per game in this system for his entire career if he just does what he needs to do and and shoots open threes and nails them. So I think... I think, you know, all signs point to them being really fucking good this whole season, unless, of course, you know, we run into some injury problems. 
again, this is very early in the, in the season. I don't like making like huge predictions. I can't believe like, you know, they already have Luca winning MVP. Like, okay, he's played, he's played one game even before he played his first game, but back to your Joe Harris thing, there was two plays during that game where KD gave it to Joe Harris and Joe Harris, you know, gave it right back up. And KD looks at him and says, shoot the ball. You know, like you're here to shoot the rock, shoot the rock. Give these guys. Same thing happened with Shaman too. KD did the same thing with Shaman. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Shoot the ball. You're in the game to shoot three pointers. And, you know, you don't have to necessarily defer to KD and Kyrie every single time. You guys can all get your own buckets. We just paid you, Joe Harris, a a bunch of money for you to make those threes. But uh, I want to see, and you also said about Dinwiddie maybe being the guy that's kind of out of position. If anybody's can be out of position, but still play that position well and know his role, it's Spencer Dinwiddie. You know what I mean? He's not going to be upset about it. He's not going to go to the media and say, I need more touches or this or that. He's going to play basketball, but that is a trade piece for them. If, if, you know, if need be by trade deadline now to golden state, there was nothing great to take away from this game. Ubre had one nice dunk and that was about it. Uh, their bench is really bad. The only bright spot I see is Wiseman. Okay. He came out playing really well. I was impressed with his jumper looks real fluid. Wasn't scared to take the three, you know, got some good rebounds put, I think he got 19 points in that first game. I could be wrong. Um, I thought he looked really, really good, but as far as this team goes, um, I think that's a lot of pressure on Steph right now. Cause in order for them to, you know, what's crazy is even Jeff Compton, our boy, Jeff, the biggest golden state fan before game one, he sent us all a text. Like I'm taking playoff bets right now. Right. And then two games later, he's like, shit, I, we suck. Right. I should have taken that bet with Jeff. Um, I just don't think as great as Steph is, and we all know Steph is phenomenal. He's a hall of famer, best shooter we've ever seen in our life asking what's needed of Steph for this season in order for them to make the playoffs, I think is too much for them. And I don't think he's the guy that can do it. He needs more pieces around him. So I, I still think he has the skill level to, to take this team to the playoffs. I, I, I mean, everything we've seen out of him indicates that he is special enough to do something like that. Now he's not the stereotypical guy that can drag your team to the playoffs because he's so little. Right. And most of those guys that, you know, put everybody on their back, it's, it's you know, the LeBron James, Kevin Durant, the, you know, the ones that are a little bit bigger in stature. Um, I simply think that what we're seeing right now is just, it's a lack of cohesiveness. Like the minimal amount of off season time really is showing its head with this Warriors team. Like Wiseman is playing significant minutes for this team. He's been with them for two fucking weeks. And he does look good. You're absolutely right. I think he looks better than Oubre. He looks better than Wiggins. And at times he looked better than Steph in some of these games. So um, I just think this is where Steve Kerr needs to earn his money a little bit. You need to inf- you need to step up and start influencing the game and, and running specific plays to get Steph open shots. And if Steph gets doubled, you need to have an easy outlet to one of these other guys that we know can put the ball on the floor and dunk it at least. I mean, Ubre's dunk was awesome. Great. So we know at least ain't, maybe maybe stop letting them shoot so many threes. But my point is, is like if Steve Kerr, if we want to think that Steve Kerr is, is as good of a coach as we've given him the accolades for over these last few seasons, this is when he's got to show it to us. Mm-hmm. Let's make this happen. 
let's see if we can run five screens for Steph Curry so we can get an open three. It might be that kind of a season for them, unfortunately, but Steph is that guy who is that good if you give him those opportunities outside of Christmas Day. We know that Steph does not do very well on Christmas Day. His history, uh, his points per game are terrible. His field goal percentage is terrible on Christmas Day. So it's all uphill from here, I think. You know, it, there's a lot of upside coming. And I do think, you know, given some time, it's like we said, you know, first week of the NBA season is always overreaction week mm -hmm. for everybody. Uh, but I do think this is a team that, you know, halfway through the season is going to look a lot better. And I'm a Wiggins guy. I've always like kind of stood by Wiggins as far as his ability to play basketball. And it seems like I'm the only one because he gets hated on so much. And I try to tell people like he's the second leading scorer of all time for the Timberwolves. Like he's career 20 points, 19.5, 20 points again. They, they're going to need way more out of him. And they're going to need way more out of Ubre going, moving forward with them. And Marquise Chris just went down for the season. He's done for the season. Well, we still haven't seen Draymond, right? So, like, that's the other side of this, too. It's like Draymond still hasn't played. And we know his influence on the game, you know, statistically isn't necessarily that large. But he does have a, a large influence on the game in general. And especially, like, when we're talking about being able to run the offense where you can have Draymond be the point guard mm -hmm. and then start running these plays where Steph is the, is the main ball catcher and shooter. That's going to be huge for that team. So but I, also, I, do, if, I think that's going to be a big thing. If Wiggins and Ubre aren't hitting those shots, like it's just going to get worse. Um, and I got, I, I really hope that these guys can make it. I really do. I just think physically, for seventy-two games, it's going to be really tough for Steph to carry that load. Yes, he's the superstar, but he's also been able to have really great teammates to help him out and to hit those buckets. They're definitely missing Clay. Um, let's just hope they have a better week. You know, next week. So Clippers Lakers opening night. OK, big, big opening <laughs> yeah. night. Uh, a few things I want to take away from the Clippers side and then we'll get into uh, your side. I love Ibaka starting over Zubak. OK, I think it works really, really well. Um, Marcus Morris uh, is still out. He won't be playing tonight either, along with Kawhi. Kawhi got hurt, got hit in the mouth. Uh, eight stitches from Ibaka. He won't be playing against Dallas tonight, but no Mar Marcus Morris. So Batum started and I liked him, too. OK, another smart player points wise. He didn't have a good point night, but six rebounds, six assists, two steals. Like I'm cool with that. Uh, PG, 33 points. Kawhi, 26 points, 15 from Ibaka. What Ibaka brings to us that we didn't get from Montrez is the guy can hit a three pointer and he takes really good shots. And some of those plays that we used to give Montrez in the post, he turned around, you know, try to, you know, face up and do his little move and get to the line. Ibaka's just pulling that thing and hitting it, right? The defense was really good. Uh, Paul George looks great. And I, I want to say something about Paul George because I am sticking by Paul George 100%, and he looks like a different guy. And I think that this – I think this summer, going through what happened in the bubble – being in LA, I think he definitely heard all the shit talk. Signing this big $220 million contract, there's a lot on his shoulders. And I think he understands that. And this isn't Palmdale. This isn't Fresno State. This isn't small market Indiana, small market OKC. You're in LA. And if you do not perform in LA, whether you're a Clipper or a Laker, you are going to hear it from the media. I know he heard all of that stuff. And I believe in what he said. Like, hey, I owe these guys a chip. OK, I think we look a lot better uh, than people thought we would look. Uh, I'm not sold. And we haven't even talked about the Luke Kennard deal. I think they gave him way too much money way too soon. I, I, I'm a big Kennard fan. He didn't have a great first game. Looked good against Denver the other night. The other thing is this, like 
the substitutions and Ty Lu. Like when the Lakers went on a run, timeout, let's adjust, you know, and then we adjust and come out and make a play like coaches are supposed to do. And I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but he did the same thing against Denver two nights ago. You know, like we were up 17 and once they cut it to 13 timeout, let's get back in our offense. So we don't lose this. We don't let it go down to six or five and lose all of that momentum. The coaching looked really good in the first two games. Um, so I'm happy. I'm happy with all of that. And then my one takeaway from the Lakers, the one thing I don't like, they look very good. I love, I, I hate, I'm not even mentioning his name, the Benedict Cumber, the Benedict Arnold of basketball. You know who I'm talking about. Looks really good. Schroeder looks good. I don't like Pau, uh, I don't like Marc Gasol starting. I did not like that at all. What is your takeaway from opening night, Drew? Well, opening night is, it's just one of those things where especially the no fans, I think was a big thing for the, for the Lakers, right? We're, we're, we're getting our ring ceremonies right before the game, which is usually fun. And, you know, usually a lot of crowd, you get the banner going, which I love the Lakers are holding off on unveiling the banner until fans are back in. I mean, I love that. love that about our organization. That's a great call. It, I do think it's just one of those things. Like, I can't remember too many times where the champions have a ring ceremony and then go out and dominate that performance, right? And especially in a situation like this where there's zero fans. We came out so fucking flat. Like, you could, you guys rolled right through us in that first quarter. We up by 20. You guys had 40 points in the first quarter, whatever, 39 points in the first quarter to our 19. I just think that was it. That was the story of that game. I, there's not too much else for me to take away from that game. I, I don't want to put too much uh, emphasis on that game at all. I don't think, I think it's relatively meaningless other than the fact that we actually did fight back and we clawed back a little bit and got back into the game, which is something that I liked to see. Um, I, and I think you're right. I think Gasol, you know, I thinking about like, would I rather have JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard or Gasol? Right now, I think I might want JaVale or Dwight looking at the way that, that Gasol is playing thus far. But again, shorter offseason, you know, we're, we're going to mesh a little bit. I think Gasol's passing is really going to shine for us. And I, I think the beauty of our team is that Gasol doesn't need to, to do anything on, on the offensive end as far as scoring goes. He doesn't. He, I mean, we don't. it would be great for him to have 10 points a game and rebound and, and make some free throws. But – to me, I don't think we need that from him, really. I mean, that's really where Montrez is shining for us anyway. We just need Gasol to set rebound or to set screens and rebound the ball well. And even those things, he's, he's not doing very well right now. I do have to say, Schroeder looks great. Montrez looks great. LeBron and AD look good. Like, I, I'm not worried about this. That, it, that game in particular, it doesn't, it doesn't leave anything but a little bit of sourness in my mouth. Um, and, you know, we handled business on Christmas Day pretty well. I expect, I expect us to have games like that off and on where we're flat. And I also expect us to have games like we come out again in Christmas and dominate. So well, I'm, I, I'm pretty happy with, with everything that's going on there. Montrez, Montrez's role in the Lakers is the same thing it was on the Clippers. It literally is the same exact thing. He plays well with LeBron. LeBron can, you know, drop those pick and roll passes. Schroeder and him are getting the same kind of like Lou Will, you know, Trez vibe. Uh, and Trez looks like he's worked on a few things. He hit a couple jumpers in the Dallas game, which which looked really good. And we're going to get into Christmas Day. But um, actually, let's just go into Christmas Day because and I want you to kind of break it down because we were a little unimpressed the whole day. Well, like I said, like the even even the the Lakers 
game, the lack of fans was certainly felt. I think more so throughout the league, Christmas Day games without fans was just, it was brutal. There was zero intensity. I think a lot of the the allure of being able to play on Christmas Day for these NBA fans or NBA players is to do it in front of the fans, right? Because other than that, you probably would want to be home with your family, opening presents and chilling and doing other things. So I just, I think that was felt in every single one of these Christmas Day games. It was the worst slate of Christmas Day games that I can remember as far as any type of competitive nature. So we'll start right off the top here. We started off Christmas Day with a decent game, Heat and the Pelicans. And that game was actually had some competitive nature in the beginning of it. But again, it's just really flat. So Jimmy Butler, I don't know what he, he rolled his ankle. He has, yeah. he has some nagging issues. <clears throat> Yep. Um, going on. So he didn't play that much. And again, I think they're, they're doing the smart thing by not rushing him back after that, that crazy run that he went on last year. But the big story for this one, for the heat is Duncan Robinson tied the, 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 the three record setting three pointers hit in a, in a Christmas day game um, and then had one layup as well. Um, so the standard Duncan Robinson game, Miami ends up winning by 13 points, which is tied for the closest game that we had on Christmas Day as far as scoreline is concerned. Um, and in this one, you know, you can see the promise for the Pelicans with Zion and Brandon Ingram. Mm-hmm. Like you're looking at those two guys, if you're a Pelicans fan um, or if you're a member of the, the Pelicans organization, you're like, that's our future. Thank God we locked down Brandon Ingram to that extension. Let's make sure we can do the same thing with Zion because with those two guys, it's only a matter of time before things start to click and you get some guys around them that can really start pushing this team forward. I have to say, I really like Stan Van Gundy's offensive and defensive decisions. I actually think that Steven Adams is doing pretty good as far as providing some help for Zion on the front court. Like Zion still had a lot of rebounds, but man, you know, when you look at Steven Adams, you're like, that's a big guy, like, especially if you look at them together, like Zion and Steven, like everyone's like, man, Zion's, Zion's a huge man. But then you look at Steven Adams, you're like, wow, he's a big that guy. Dude. That's a big dude. <laughs> and, and I think that there has to be some protection for Zion. Like as much as a, a beast as he is already at this young age, you still need somebody to play off him. You, he can't rebound every ball and he is undersized in comparison. Like he's the same size as a, uh, like Harkless. Yeah. Like Harkless is like the same height as him. Mm. And you're like, all right, that doesn't make any sense. And yet we know that Zion's athleticism is really what puts him over the top. So I think moving forward, the heat are exactly where I thought they would be at this point. Um, you know, I think Jimmy's going to be kind of off and on in the first couple months of the season uh, with that, with those injuries, those Latin nagging injuries, same thing with Dragic and some of these other guys. Um and with the Pelicans, I think they're looking good. I mean, I, I know they lost that game. They only scored 98 points. Um, and really, when you look at the rest of the team, Lonzo, six points. Bledsoe, five points. Steven Adams, six points. JJ, only eight points. Melly was god-awful oh, at one point. I like Melly, too. Was, I do, too. He just jacking shit and hitting right. backboards and, and side of the rims. Um, I think as Stan gets more – Van Gundy gets more used to this team – Right now, they're starting Lonzo and Bledsoe next to each other. I think that's going to change. I think it has to change. And I think Stan's trying to figure out who's going to be that starting point guard for them and then who's going to come in. Like, most likely, J.J. needs to be on the floor to start. I'm with you on that. I was going to say the same thing, the starting of Bledsoe and Lonzo. But the, I, I, what I took away, do, do you think that 
Lonzo actually fixed his shot because it definitely looks different. And I think he's got way more confidence pulling into a shot. It's not coming from the hip as much. Uh, I think in the preseason, he had two games where he actually looked really good. I think his shooting is going to improve. And like you said, I'd rather have Bledsoe coming off the bench. I know he gets paid a lot, but I'd rather have Lonzo and JJ in there starting the game. And we know JJ isn't the same player he used to be, but it's, it would be imperative for them to run some plays for JJ right out the box. You know what I mean? Right. Especially if you have two big dudes that can set your screens and get JJ some open shots, because you're going to need three point shooting. Bledsoe's not that guy. Lonzo needs to get better. Ingram is a pure hooper. That's exactly what he is as a pure hooper. I think he's going to get better every single season. Um, and I think he knows that this is his team. Like this is my team. Uh, Lonzo will fall. I mean, uh, Zion will fall in place. So let's move past the Pelicans. We're, we're excited about them. We want them to be in the playoffs. I have to say, though, I, you're, you're absolutely right. Lonzo, his jumper is finally looking good. Mm-hmm. It's like like mechanically, it's much better than it was to begin with. Uh, but I, he, he only took eight shots in this game. In the That's Christmas not enough. Day. That's not enough. And all eight of them were threes. Mm-hmm. So he was two of eight from three. That's the problem. Right. Like we, we're excited that your shot is fixed. He's clearly very excited. He's jacking threes, eight threes and not taking any other shots. But I think the 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 true unlocking of his offensive game is being able to attack the rim. Like, I mean, I, I always say this. He does more layups for for a six, six guy that has, you know, nearly a 36 inch vert than I've ever seen in my life. He needs to dunk the ball. He needs to go to the rack with some force and throw one down. And that will help him immensely. Every time he does that. Yeah, and what was the last time he dunked? What was right, the last time we saw Alonzo highlight of him dunking? That's what I'm saying. Like, where did that go? And he used to bash he can, out in college, right? He can dunk. He can <laughs> dunk. He's athletic. He's six six. He, he I just I don't know where that is. And that's the that's the thing, that's the confidence factor that I think he is, he still needs to work that shit out. So I would love to see that happen more often. Oh boy. Here we go. Move on to the next game. What a snoozer this was. Warriors against the Bucks. It looked um, even worse. They even looked. They looked even worse. Yeah, we already talked a lot about the Warriors. Yeah, there's not much that we can say anymore about that, other than the fact that uh, today Steph finally undid those braids, or was it yesterday? Yesterday. Un- uh, yesterday, he undid the braids and was able to unlock his three point stroke. It was like some weird. hundred and five in a row. hundred and five in a row. I didn't even want to take the time to post all hundred and five. I'm just like. If you want to watch it somewhere else, watch it somewhere else. Here's him hitting 30 in a row, you know, Jesus. And that's, that's the shit. That's like, that's the kind of stuff that that's why I think there should still be hope for the Warriors when, when you have a guy that can do something like that. I mean, granted, this is just shooting around on a court and I'm sure there's, you know, several people with their hands up saying I can hit a hundred in a row um, with no one guarding me. Sure. Okay, fine. But that's the kind of shit that, that we know Steph can do and, and how special he is. Uh, but boy, oh boy, this game was really hard to watch. I could not watch this game. I turned it off after a little while. I it want just... Giannis to sh- stop shooting threes. Okay. This, yeah. So let's focus on Milwaukee. <laughs> okay. So, so this is this is what I'm seeing. I, Giannis looked very. I mean, he looked okay. It wasn't his best game, but I don't like him shooting threes. I think I and I could see it on his release. And again, I'm not some freaking NBA coach, but I play basketball and I know a nice stroke when I see one. And his stroke is completely different from his rookie season, even coming into the NBA, even in his in his draft camp. 
his stroke was fluid. It looked really, really nice. And now it looks like he's pushing it from his nose at the rim. And he's off. Like, he airballed again. And he, he's due for one airball a game on three-pointers. I would just rather him stop shooting threes and leave it up to the other guys. Middleton looked great. Uh, and we kind of undervalue Middleton a lot because he's not a flashy guy. He's not like – but he puts up the numbers every single night. Um, so – they looked really well. The Drew Holiday thing looked good. I think they need a little more time together to get that that rhythm and that chemistry. But that was that was just an easy walk, easy walk of a game. I think I think Chris Middleton is literally the only player that looked good in this entire game. I mean, Milwaukee won by forty points. They almost scored one hundred and forty. They scored one hundred and thirty-eight points in this game, and it was ugly. All of it was. Giannis was ugly. Drew was fine, mm-hmm. but Middleton was the only one that was actually like playing well. It was so weird. But if you're like, Giannis, Giannis play- had. Four, Giannis was four of 14 from the field. If your whole team can play that ugly and still win by 40, what are, what is that to say about the golden state warriors? I'm sorry, Jeff Compton, that we got to do this on this show, but damn. Yeah. And it's just one of those, it's one of those games where it's just like everyone for, for, for Milwaukee, it's like everybody's in who's how many players can we get in? We're going to get everybody. And this is your time to shine. It's Christmas day. Go get a bucket because they're certainly not playing any defense out there. Um, Moving yeah, forward. I think it's I just I think it's a really hard to say anything about Milwaukee right. in reference to this game because it was just one of those shit games you kind of throw it away. So I I think you're right though. I think Drew and Giannis Giannis's shot is weird, but I why not give it a try? Why not pull some threes when you're up by 40? Agreed. And see what happens. Next game, another <laughs> another tough blowout, <laughs> but um, it was the Nets and, and the Celtics. The theme continues for the day, the Christmas blowout day. Uh, we talked about the Nets already. It's it's the same thing for me in this game. They're dominant. They are, they're offensively terrifying. Mm-hmm. There's not much you can do defensively against them. And I think, you know, the Celtics tried something where they put Tristan Thompson on Kevin Durant, which I think was hilarious, but also kind of interesting. Um, this is where the real problem is for those teams that have a standard center power forward combo when you play Brooklyn. They have KD at the power forward. You're going to get torched, homie. You got to adjust. You got to put somebody else out there. They threw everybody and, at KD, though. They threw everybody. They tried. They tried. Yeah. I, yeah, I can't blame him for trying. Um, he had 29, Kyrie 37. And Kyrie had some unbelievable moves out there, offensive spin moves. and What about step the step backs. range threes? What about oh. the step range threes that he's just pulling up? Dame range, I think, Dame is range. more and more accurate now. Logo Lillard. That third yeah, quarter, this, that third quarter from KD was was almost perfect, almost perfect. Yeah, I mean, it, it, KD's right back to his old efficient self here. I mean, he had, like I said, he had twenty nine points. He took sixteen shots. He was nine How efficient. 16. Is that? Like what? I, this is exactly what we expect out of Kevin Durant. And if he's going to be like this, uh, I mean, we said it already. They are going to be the number one seed in in the East if this continues, without a doubt in my mind. And it's all about health. And you know. If you look at everyone else's performance, not that not that good. <laughs> Dinwiddie six points, Harris nine points, DeAndre Jordan four points, Jared Allen nine points, Sham at five, Karis LeVert only ten. Uncle That's Jeff Green, out, though. Uncle Jeff Green is two points. Yeah, but but my point is is like you have twenty nine and thirty seven, right? Your top two, and then nobody else gets into double digits other than LeVert, mm-hmm. and you still score one hundred and twenty three points and blow out a Boston Celtics team that we know. Was just in the Eastern Conference Finals and is a pretty solid team. Uh, they're going to be an issue for the whole for the whole league. I think when we talk about Boston, they're handicapped right now. No, no Kemba Walker. 
Um, so they're not their full team yet. And they're starting the game with Marcus Smart at the point guard, Tatum, Brown, uh, Tice, and Tristan Thompson. My guess is that Tice and Tristan Thompson thing is going to work out and they're only going to start one of them once Kemba comes back. Again, it just all these games felt really flat to me. And I just I think that really played into it uh, for, for some of these games, in particular this one. Jalen Brown had 27 points. He looked really good. Tatum had 20. He looked all right. He nine of 22. Not that. Not that. Not that good. You know why uh, though? Jeff Drew? Teague looked pretty bad though. <laughs> I know. Sorry, and, and Teague looked great in the first game against Milwaukee. Yeah, though. I he really was shit in this game. <laughs> he, he was pretty bad in this game. I really like the Teague pickup. I really yeah. do for that squad. He's going to be great coming off the bench. They could like while Kemba's out, even try starting Teague and bring uh, Marcus Smart off the bench because their bench is really bad. They don't. Have, they do not have a good bench. With Tatum, I I just don't like the just pull jack and threes all the time. Like the guy can get to the rack. And now that he's six ten, you know, like you might as well be taking it to the rack. That's what we saw in his rookie year and his sophomore year. Like, I just want to see more of that. And I know he could shoot the three, uh, yeah. but I'd like to see more of him going to the basket. Zero free throws for Jason Tatum in that game. And that's Thank the you. indication right yep. there, right? That's, that's what takes you from a 20 point game score to a 28, 30 point a game score Agreed. is getting to the free throw line. And you're absolutely right. I mean, all the Celtics fans that I know that I talk to, they, they just beg him to put the ball on the floor every once in a while and go get fouled because mm-hmm. you can, and you're a good free throw shooter. Go to the line. Um, I don't have anything else for this game. This was, this was boring as well. Let's okay. move on. Next one. Now this one was a fun one for me because it was a blowout for the Lakers. So Lakers got their first win of the season against the Dallas Mavericks. And honestly, it was, it, it turned out to be a blowout, but it was fun. There was, there was some back and forth. And Luca is just so much fun to watch. So even in a blowout, it's it's great. And I think, especially when for whatever reason Luca, you know, tried on for size guarding LeBron out of the gate. And I thought that was fun to see them kind of Cute. go back and forth a little bit. Yeah, exactly. LeBron went right by him for the first bucket, by the way. It was like so fast. He's like, okay, that's easy. And then he had a couple nice fadeaways. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, I this game felt a lot closer than the score shows 115, 138. Like the, it didn't seem like we were up by that much um, because, you know, in, in the first quarter, we ended up only you know, leading by three. And then by halftime, that's when we had that uh, that 12 point margin, 13 point margin uh, going into half. And then we kind of just took off from there. This was a much better performance from uh, Marcus Saul. Like I know we touched on that a little bit. I think he he's starting to get the flow of the way the offense works. He's never played with LeBron. He's never played with someone like Anthony Davis. I do think his IQ is going to get him through that hump of, of the learning curve of getting used to things. Uh, and he had nine rebounds, which is good. That's, that's exactly what we need. We need, you know, fucking eight points, nine rebounds from Marcus all go, go sit on the bench and, and uh, we're good. AD had 28 in this one. LeBron had 10 assists in this one. Uh, this is a, this is a really solid Lakers performance. Uh, and I, like we touched on before Montrez, 22 points, great performance shooter 18 points uh, six assists like that if we're getting those kind of numbers from these guys um we're going to be set because all all year last year i was begging for someone to stand up and be our third guy and nobody could do it consistently and now we have two guys who are actively vying for that number three option offensively for us game in and game out so i'm stoked on that 
Uh, do you have some stuff to talk about the, the Dallas Mavericks I, I, other than the Luca looks good stuff? Yeah, I do. I think that, uh, first of all, I mean, AD looked in, even in the first two games, AD just looks so amazing, right? Like he is just so fucking good. It's ridiculous. And I, I kind of judge that when I watch basketball games, like how many times do I say, fuck, he's good. Right. Yeah. Like, I said that like 10 times during the Nets game, watching KD and Kyrie, I'm like, God damn, that guy's really good. And I say the same thing with, um, with AD, right. I do think, it was a cakewalk for the Lakers without poor Zingas, not having their seven, three guy in there to help when you have James Johnson and our, my boys back Powell on, on, on Dallas that has to guard AD. It's just going to be, it's easy money. Like just eat, take my lunch money kind of game. So they were definitely missing that. Um, and that team's going to be missing that they're Owen two right now, Drew. And, you know, again, that's putting a lot of pressure on, on uh, Luca to perform, but I, I liked how Trey Burke played. I like how, you know, they still got some good shooters, some good pieces around them, but they need Porzingis to be involved in that offense. But again, there was a couple moves. Again, LeBron did it for me too. Like even that fadeaway on Luca, the foot, I was, t- I had to wake my dad up like, dad, look at this footwork. Like that's just, that's just goat footwork right there in LeBron. So they looked, they looked very, very good. I thought, I thought definitely Dallas missed Porzingis though. Yeah, I, I think it's just one of those things where, like you said, if it's Dwight Powell, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, mm-hmm. and Kleber. Those are the guys that are trying to guard Anthony Davis. It's just not going not not gonna, to not gonna work. Uh, there's very few people on the planet that can guard Anthony Davis with any skill level uh, and any chance, period. But it's certainly not those three guys. And even we know Porzingis is not a defensive stopper, but his length can be an issue. And obviously the offensive side of the ball, he's significantly, he's significantly better than all three of those guys that we mentioned right. offensively too. So uh, I do want to say that Josh Richardson looks good. Good pickup. Uh, I think Huge that's pick. solid for them. I think he's going to be big for Dallas. Um, and I know that we're not going to talk about the Phoenix Suns uh, because they didn't, they didn't play in this um, Christmas day slate that we're going through right now. Uh, but that first loss that, Ma- that the Mavericks took, was against the Suns in a really great. That may have been the one of the better games of the of the early part of the season. Booker and CP closing it out right there, dude. The Suns, they are exactly what I expected them to be this year. Even though they lost their last game, which we might get into later, I just like Dallas going zero two to start the season isn't bad when you're losing to a really good Suns team and the defending champion Lakers without your second best player. So. Um, and then, of course, we capped off the night with a slightly better game. I think this one might have been the best game of the day. <laughs> I guess it's tough to tell. Uh, but your Clippers took the dub um, over your arch nemesis now and uh, forever, so the, the Denver Nuggets, um, in a 121-108 win. I'll let, you, uh, I'll let you take the cake here. Go ahead and, and no, I, uh, give your points. I, I, was fi- I was fine with this game. Um, Again, I thought it was all coaching. We came out hot. Paul George looks great. And for anybody that thinks Paul George isn't a top 10 or 15 player in the NBA, you're, you're, you're crazy. Okay. You're absolutely crazy. Paul George has the whole bag when he's hitting um, just things fall into place. And Pat, Pat, Pat Beverly came out and played really well. Uh, even Patrick Patterson came out and guarded Jokic a little bit, got some big rebounds, got to the free throw line. I look at the little numbers, dude. I know what Kawhi, I know what Paul George are going to give us, you know, and everybody wants to hate on Pat Bev, but Pat Bev, again, coming off last season was his best shooting season. He's coming into these first two games shooting really well. Uh, Lou Williams came out and played really well, but I'm more focused on the shooting. Like 
as a Clipper fan, it's it's embedded in your DNA that even if you're up 25, you're scared still, okay? And you're kind of always waiting for that collapse, kind of. And Ty Lue doesn't let that happen. And there was, a, a again, there was a point where we were up 20 and then they cut it to like 15, right? Timeout. Let's run a play for Kawhi, who's been eating all day at the, at, at the elbow. Let's get him that play. They ran it twice, right? And two times in a row. Kawhi hit the fadeaway jumper and then we ran it a third time and we had to switch it out because they finally caught on. But it was Ty Lu not letting us, you know, lose the momentum in the game. And th- that's something that we miss. And that's something that we needed in that Denver series. And again, like uh, I think Rosillo brought it up when he was talking about Jamal Murray, like, like Jamal Murray had a huge bubble and kind of emerges this superstar. But in his first two games, he, he's come out really, really flat and then turned it on in the fourth quarter. I got a little scared in the fourth quarter, but Again, when we have when we have good offense to combat the defense, and our defense is pretty good, but when they scored, we scored, right? There wasn't like these huge runs. Jokic didn't – I think Jokic triple-doubled again, though, right? I think uh, he missed it by one rebound. It was one rebound. Um, I, I, was just, I was happy with the outcome of the game. I felt bad. I mean, Kawhi was bleeding all over the court with that elbow he caught from Ibaka. He will not be playing this afternoon. The game starts in 15 minutes against Dallas. We get Dallas today. Yeah, that um, looks scary, though, for a moment. It, did, it didn't – It didn't. we didn't know where the blood was coming from for a little no. while, right? That was the scary part. And concussion protocol like that. Yeah. An Ibaka elbow is not a soft elbow at all. It's not at all. And I guess it happened in Toronto, too. Kawhi gave – gave um Ibaka an elbow in one game and he ended up having to leave the game um the one thing I'm also seeing from the team is I'm seeing a lot more I think I said it on the last show but a lot more smiles okay and I look at the bench and I particularly Kawhi right and I think like Paul George had to realize this summer playing in LA like there's a lot of eyes on you and what we're asking of Kawhi is to be more of a vocal leader. And I'm kind of seeing that. I saw it in the preseason. I've seen it in the first two games of him just being way more vocal with his players, talking to the players, engaging on the bench, rah-rah uh, shit that Kawhi really isn't into. And I'm noticing that. So that makes me feel like they look a little more comfortable with each other. And I think we're seeing a little more trust. Um, and we're seeing more trust in Paul George. It's the trust in Ibaka. Like, I really like the shots this guy takes. And when you're center – and you know this very well, can knock down a three-pointer, it really changes the game a lot, you know? And then bringing Zub in with that second team, you bring another seven-footer in who we are very high on and who's extremely active on the rim and can run the floor and finish shots and get to the free-throw line, which he's doing, uh, along with, uh, you know, Lou Will, and it will soon be, you know, Batum. Batum had a good game that night, too. Um I'm very happy. I want to see how this game goes. I'm, I also, you know, they started Michael Porter Jr. I think they're going to really rely on this guy this year, as they should. Uh, Kawhi got on him a couple times and, and locked him up. But I'm high on Michael Porter Jr. De- Denver and the Lakers are the two sk- teams that scare me the most, as they should. I, I have still have nightmares about Denver. But we can also beat them. You know what I mean? We beat them three with, you know, we were up three, one on them in the playoffs. We shouldn't be scared of Denver at all. No, I mean, you should have beat them. That's the thing. I mean, you should have closed that series out. You were the better team. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone would argue that the Denver Nuggets are were better than the Clippers. Right. They just happened to fucking turn it on and you guys completely collapsed. We did. I, you know, I don't think even the most diehard Nuggets fan might might say that they think the Denver Nuggets are better, but outside Chine, of Chine yeah, would say that outside of that, 
I think most people would go, well, this was more about the Clippers not being able to close it out than it was the Nuggets being overpowering or, or some next level. But I also I also see back to the coaching, like Lou was with us last season. You know what I mean? And he could have been thinking in his head, call a timeout, call a timeout. Let's get, a, let's run a play for the hot guys. Paul George just hit four threes in a row. Let's get him going, right? Instead of you guys figuring it out on your own. This is where the coaching needs to step in. Like you said about Steve Kerr, uh, you know, you got to step in and and coach and run the right plays. I loved Ty Lue stopping the momentum. Um, I loved all of it. So I want to see how we perform um, in today's game. I think Batum might be the steal of the season for you guys because you're getting him on cheap, dude. I mean, I mean, Minimal. Charlotte's yeah, Charlotte's still paying all that money. He's he slid right into that like wing. Like mm-hmm. you have now you have three guys who are like the same size who are long on the wing that can be defensive problems. They're he's all right. They're he's all right offensively too. Like he doesn't have to score that much. Like it could be the steal of the season for you guys right there. And we have a you know our boy Tim, who's the biggest Carolina homer of all time and he was a bobcat fan obviously and like he hates batum because he was horrible for them and low-key i think it's a really great pickup and, and batum came out yesterday and said this was the great best training camp i've been in all season guys are locked in and i think he knows his role it, it and you you get the and i think he was a perfect player for us another guy like you said that plays defense that's smart and can knock down a three-pointer he's not going to shoot you out of a game he's not going to be a defensive liability i think it's a great pickup now do i do I want him starting over Marcus Morris? I don't know. We've paid Marcus. We played Marcus a lot of money. Um, so he probably should be starting, but Marcus is the guy that could shoot you into a problem. You know, we, we talked about this a lot or shoot you out of a problem. Um, yeah. But Batum won't be that guy. Now, if you brought in, if you brought, if you start Batum and then you bring in Morris and Lou and Zubaka, that's a nice. And Kennard. Like, and then you Kennard. have a nice scoring second unit. I think that's where Morris is going to shine. Mm-hmm. Like, you can take off – I think you almost you almost leave Batum on. You, you take out Paul or Kawhi for Morris, mm-hmm. and then you slide you slide Batum down into the more of a small forward role. Mm-hmm. And then and then you get Morris. Morris, we know he's going to shoot the ball when he catches it. If he sees the – if he can see the rim, it's going up. So, um, yeah, I think, I, think, I think he's better coming off the bench for you guys. It'd and I nice. think maybe him and Lou Will can start getting a little two-man game going. I know they don't usually do that. No. They're more kind of off – they're more on-ball heavy. But maybe they can develop some sort of feel uh, together uh, and, and some pick-and-pop stuff. I do want to see Kennard do a little more. Yeah, I, he's got to earn that money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, real quick, I know we just talked, talked about uh, the Christmas – Slade and and uh, there's a lot of teams that we're not going to get to in this pod. We're, we're going to come back at you pretty quick and in this next week and cover the rest of the team, like some of the fun teams that are not necessarily going to be good but have had some fun starts. Um, but we did have like extension week, if you will, it, leading up to Christmas, where all these guys got crazy extensions, crazy. some completely undeserved, some really well deserved, uh, and some that just didn't get extended. What we all thought would. Um, but Kennard was one of those guys. The point that I want to make is that these extensions, especially when you're looking at Derek White getting $20 million a year in, in San Antonio, uh, a lot of these to me are key. This is, this is chess, not checkers here. You're signing these guys to extensions, and it looks like a lot of money. But when you need a trade, that's the, that's the contract that you have to trade. You need the contract values in that 10 to $20 million range to make trades happen. So, yep. and we always say it's better to lock down an asset than to let him go for free. 
and if they have the cap money, they have to spend a spe- they have to spend a, s- a specific amount of money in order to, to to hit the cap limit that they need, and not go over obviously. But you have to spend the money that you have in your bank account, um, or or you end you up lose getting it. penalized. Yeah, you end up getting penalized. So you know, I, while a lot of people may have overreacted to some of these, I know that Kuzma, you know, some people think he got underpaid. Kuzma, some people think he got overpaid. All of these things are really playing into the bigger picture which is you know if you're if your franchise needs to make a move and you need to trade you have to have one of these middle contract guys that you can move to a team in a, in a scenario like that um, so that's why I think mostly most most people overreact to some of these uh, extensions but it's it's key for each franchise to have that and I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people don't get that they don't understand the contracts and the money they don't get it so I'm glad you brought that up and explained it um, Real quick before we go, great game last night with Portland and Houston. James Harden came out, him and CJ. His debut. And it's funny, I posted a meme today that was just like, this guy can do whatever the fuck he wants for two weeks, can be wherever, and then just step on a basketball court and drop 44. CJ got the game winner on him. CJ looked great. It was a really fun game. Um, But James Harden, who now says – Portland and Boston are, are places he wants to go play. So, and I don't think he gets traded. I think he's staying there for the time being. And you know what looked really crazy was him and Christian Wood looked great together. Like he was throwing alley-oops. Christian Wood looks very good. Detroit, what is Detroit doing? What are you doing? What are you fucking doing? Sign this man. Why would you let Christian Wood go and you're bringing in Jeremy Grant? What the <laughs> hell? And and Plumley and, and Okafor? Oh, God, if you're a Detroit Pistons fan, I'm feeling for you. (laughs) It's so bad. That's why I had something. I had players to watch this week, okay? And Wood Wood is one of them. I wanted to say Sabonis, who's been killing, and he's not going to get the pub he deserves right now. He triple-doubled. He should be the cornerstone of that franchise. Pay that man. He could do it all. I want to watch Sabonis, Christian Wood, Anthony Edwards, rookie, number one pick, been coming out looking like a pro his first two games. Sunglasses sunglasses that that one interview where he's like i could play high ally and be the best like he's weird he's He's a weird dude he's a weird dude totally agree but he looked really good i think colin sexton who had a big overtime game last night but we need to show some love to cleveland but you know it's time star for cleveland shout out to cleveland (laughs) we had you at the worst team in the nba Uh, i still think they will be i think they will be too (laughs) i definitely think they will be you got anything else moving forward for episode 168. Yeah, we didn't talk about Philly at all. Like I said, we're going to come back and and get, kind of cover the rest of the teams. But Joel Embiid looks to be finally in the shape that all of Philadelphia fans have wanted him to be in since he's been in the NBA. He looks thin. He looks healthy. He doesn't look like he's breathing heavy at the end of the first quarter. Uh, all these things are really huge for Philly. I know they're still kind of working out the kinks there. Um, and they had a tight one against the Wizards in open in their opening day. Uh, but all that I want to get into later. But I just I have to say that finally, Joel Embiid might actually be in the shape that we've all wanted him to be in. I like that. Uh, we got a Clipper game. Clippers Dallas in about six minutes. We're going to take him out with uh, Eminem, who just dropped a new album. And Lil Pump came out talking all this shit. And I hate him so much. It's a de- it's a deluxe album. There's like 30 songs on it. I listened to the whole thing yesterday. It's pretty damn good. The song's called These Demons uh, by Eminem, Slim Shady, Marshall Mathers, whatever you want to call them. From Clips and it's Drew, like, we want to wish you a very no Merry Clipsmas and a happy 
Yeah, you still here. click on it. And we're go. Yeah, I want you to change, but don't change. I want you to grow, but don't age. I want the rage, but don't get too angry. I want the new, but old shady. I want you to say what they won't say. Just don't go too far, but go cray. I want you to almost lose it, man. And keep moving the goalposts, don't they? Just cut to the chase like OJ. And it's prom, but one up the roadway. And get off my dick if I said my balls were yarn. You bitches with crochet. All I ever wanted's a rope chain. From the day I saw Fuji on Soul Train. Now I got that Kango. Two cables, one yellow and white gold. Just to let them know I made it. I told my dogs we gon' get right in the ear. What it calls now, I dipped on in the lead. Still have all these demons coming from my neck. Yeah, yeah. I ain't never coming down. This pandemic got us in a recession. We need to reopen America. Black people dying, they want equal rights. White people want to get haircuts. Some people protest, some people riot. But we ain't never escaping this virus. So the cops that are racially biased, we no longer enable these liars. You get them on tape, they stick to a story like Spider-Man crawling upside of a wall. And some are just unabiding as lawmen like Eric Roth and like Derek Chauvin. No caps, still riding with Colin. Though some people don't like me at all. And some are like bees to flowers. Cause some people find me appalling. Ooh, I say a line, people are outraged The press slams me again, people ain't having it nowadays Give an album that I put out in like 2000 You write about praise, but I wake up every day Even more caked up than the makeup on your clown face And I laid my foundation and I told my dogs we gon' get right in the ear What it calls now, I dipped on in the lead Still have all these demons coming from my neck Yeah, yeah, I ain't never coming down I got a question What? What rhymes with pariah? Hmm. Lego? Oh, shit. You just spit into the lit, into the wit shit. I meant shit into the stick. I'm addicted to friction and mischief. It's like a bitch's midriff. Shit, gets my dick stiff as a stick. Shit, dick is in chainy. Drip is in sailing. They bring my name up just to get ratings. It's like trying to choose between busy, lazy, and wish against crazy. Cause I got a bone to pick and slim shady. Will thug and harmony. Who attempts to diss Haley. Bitch, I will go in like it's raining and I get canceled like once a day. Why would I go? It's more fun to stay. You get me to leave, there's no fucking way. I got a better chance of fucking young MA. Sounds like I'm zoning So me saying I'm out nice to know me It's like asking me where my shin is It's downright below me uh, Oh, but we can play hide the salami If your gal like to blow me My wave is like a tsunami These flows you're still trying to wrap your head around Like you're a swami Just call me the mic kamikaze with Mike Zombie And I'ma just keep bombing Cause the game is mine like an IED If they ever do cancel me like live PD Thought I'm taking some of you with me if I'm leaving It's time to murder you now, psych me I might be D to the fucking ICZ Why from rapid circles around these hoes Just like girdles and every word from my mouth So fire I should be burnt to the ground There's a fucking circus in town Yeah, bitch, this verse from the clown ICP, R. Kelly sex tape, ICP My shit is intense like TP's You getting wiped like TP You don't like me, you can bite my little white wee-wee And I repeat, you can bite my little white wee-wee Long as I like be Never since my preteen Stripely jeans and grandma nan's little black and white TV Now I'm so bougie that I stick out my pinky Every time I drink tea Used to want a wife sweet tea Used to rock white beaters now I'll let your wife beat me yeah. So you can eat shit, but I might be these shit So when I say eat shit, I mean me